turn your Bible to Revelation chapter 22. Chapter 22. We had some tremendous Bible preaching these last two days or three days. And uh, I'll tell you, we've got our cups full. And what a wonderful blessing it was to hear these men of God. Well, in Revelation 22, last Sunday, Wednesday night, we were talking about Revelation 22, verses 1 through 8. And we stopped in verse 8, and we mentioned several things that John saw in the book of Revelation. Well, beginning in verse 10, I want you to notice these specific things. He saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. He that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. <clears throat> In those brief statements, I want you to see some important things. In verse 10, now remember, this is nearing the end. This is the last book of the Bible. On the very last pages of the Bible, the Holy Spirit saw to it that we had some very important words. Some are words of warning. Some are words of reminder. He saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. In other words, he's saying, I have not given you a message that is in secret. In the book of Daniel, the Spirit of God, through an angel, told Daniel to seal up these things. No one would understand until the end of the time of the end. Now he's saying, don't seal these things. The time is near, and I want you to unveil and reveal what you have seen in this book of Revelation, these visions that I've given you in Revelation. Go back to verse 8. John said, I saw these things and heard them. And now the Spirit is saying, do not seal what you've heard and seen. Openly talk about it. These things are to come to pass quickly. <clears throat> the time is at hand. Number two, look at verse 11. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. He that is holy, let him be holy still. Now remember where we are, we're at the end of the age. This is just as eternity begins. And Jesus is saying, John, you tell them it's too late to change. Too late. There's coming an hour when it'll be too late to be any different. Someone has said, unless there are radical changes in many of our lives, 10 years from now we'll be a mature 
what we are right now. Here, the Spirit of God is saying, John, you tell the people it's too late to change. He that is filthy, just go on being filthy. You can't do anything about it now. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. You're going to go on in it. You see, there comes a time when it's too late to change. Some of you may be nearing that time right now. I believe as long as there's life, there's hope. As long as there's life, it is possible to be saved and to be changed. However, the Bible also speaks of a terrible doctrine where a person can so say no to God and no to God and get his life so filled with other things that he no longer hears the tug of God at his heart. And here there's a warning. If you're going to be filthy, go on. Too late to do any different. You want to be unjust, go on and be unjust. You see, there comes a time when God steps back and says, all right, do it. Go on that way. You know, I think this is a word of warning to believers, too. A lot of times, we think we have to take care of ourselves. And so, it's me and mine and myself and my house and me and mine. You know, i got to make a buck. You know, I have to have a job. And you say, you're bordering on the ludicrous, aren't you? If your job is immoral, you don't have to have it. If your job is out of the will of God for your life, you don't have to have it. If what you're doing is not in line with what God wants you to do, you don't have to do it. But if you continue in it, God steps back and says, all right, go on. You see, God doesn't make us do anything. God doesn't lasso us and pull us down an aisle and say, you got to change. If you're going to be filthy, go on and be filthy. If you don't have enough of the openness in your heart to hear from God, that God's Spirit convicts you, then go on. That's a terrible thing. When God leaves you alone, it's an awful thing. And sometimes people have said, Lord, leave me alone. I've had people say, preacher, leave me alone. Don't bother me. If God lets me, I leave him alone. Many times God won't let me, so I go back again and again and again. Fools rush in where angels fear to tread sometimes. And so, I, you know, you have to follow what God tells you to do. But the danger of this word is there comes a time when if you're going to go on in your unjust attitude and your filth and your sin and your lethargy and you're taking care of yourself, I've heard, I've heard people say, well, I just tell you, I, I can't go on to school because I don't have any money. I don't believe that. 
I just don't, really don't believe that. Some people say it. I don't believe it. I believe if you really want to accomplish something that's the will of God for you, God will enable you to do it, but you'll have to work and work and work and work to do it. I think of Rebecca Walters. She carried on three full-time jobs while she went to school and finished her, her undergraduate degree. In Louisville, she's doing something similar. She was telling me the other day she's going to get a second job. She's already work, working almost full-time. She's going to the seminary full-time. She's going to get another job because she doesn't have enough money. I want to tell you, if you want to do something and you feel it's the will of God, God will provide it for you. But if you say, no, I've got to take care of myself. You know, I can't do this and I can't do that and I can't go on to school and I can't come to church and I can't go soul winning because I've got to do all this for myself. God steps back and says, all right, do it. You want to take care of yourself? Go do it. If you'll let me, I'll help you. And this is an awful warning. Let him that is unjust be unjust still. Let him that is filthy be filthy still. But then, you know what he says? Let him that is righteous be righteous still. If you're going on with God, keep on going on with God. There comes a time when it's too late to change. And I think some of you who are going on with God have reached that point where it's too late to change. And you're just going to keep on going on with God. Isn't that wonderful? You just think of that. Where could I go but to the Lord? Where could I go but to the Lord? And when the world seems to tumble all in and the problems all come, the burdens all come, God says, if you'll let me, I'll help you. If you want to take matters in your own hand, you go on and do it. So this passage is a terrible reminder that comes a time when it's too late. And listen, some of you who have served the Lord a long, long time, why would you ever want to change? Sometimes we hear a sermon on, I want to end well. I think Brother David Walters has preached that several times and others that have been here. Brother Walter K. Ayers said, I'm going to hold to the end of the roll. He kept on going. He didn't quit. Friend, there's no time to quit serving the Lord. You just keep on keeping on. There's no time when you're old enough to say, well, let somebody else do it. I've done it long enough. I'm going to let somebody else do it. Don't do that. Keep on keeping on. <laughs> J. Harold Smith could easily have said, well, when he was 75 or 65 or whatever, he could have said, well, I'm just going to take it easy. I'm going to retire and let somebody else, let these other younger preachers do it. He didn't do that. He kept on going and going and going until he had a heart attack, went to the hospital, and went to heaven. Wouldn't you like to do that? Why well, protect yourself? You say you don't talk right tonight. I, don't, I think many of us try to patch up our bodies so much to keep ourselves out of heaven. You think of that. I believe we ought to keep on keeping on until God says that's enough and he takes us. Dr. Christopher wanted to die in the pulpit. 
he didn't get to. He got sick, had cancer. God helped him through that cancer. He lived till he's 92, but what a witness and strong stand he had for the Lord. I want to ask you, how are you going to end? He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. Just keep on keeping on. He that is godly, keep on being godly. If you've decided in your life you're going to be filthy and you're going to be unjust, there's a time when you'll cross a line, it'll be too late to change. So if God is dealing with your heart, why don't you do it tonight? You know, there are people in this auditorium who could really be something for God if you'd ever sell out to Him. But you have an illness called TB. You're too busy. I know people that don't come to Sunday school. They could come to Sunday school. They just sleep in. They're just lazy. They don't really care. I'm going to tell you, which is more important for you to get your 10 hours of sleep at night or to get up and study the Word of God with us on Sunday morning? You say, Preacher, you're awful cranky tonight. This is one of Stephen Stussy's words. I don't like it at all. But sometimes, you know, it pays to do that. You need to impress upon people the fact they need some changes because there will come a time when it's too late to change. The habits you're, you're forming right now will be habits for life. If you think you have to sleep till 10 o'clock in the morning, when you're 40 years old, you'll still be thinking the same thing. You think, when am I going to grow up? Never. You're not going to ever change unless you start changing now. But there comes a time when it's too late. Too late to change. There's some people, you know, I want, I want to share this with you. We're being told today that the Muslim position is just another religion. It's all right. And it is a, a religion. Just all it is. Now, Christianity is not a religion. It's a way of life. It's a faith. But... Uh, they're saying that Allah is the same God as the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's not true. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ never told a Christian to go kill somebody that disagreed with you. But Allah does, apparently, from what these Muslims say, what the book of Quran says, says that you can't get them converted, kill them. They're infidels. They're people of the book, Jews and Christians. They're, they're all, they all need to, be, need to get rid of them. You know the Muslims also teach polygamy. A man ought to have as many wives as he can take care of. Really, four is about a limit. That's what they say. But just think, when you die and go to heaven, you'll have 70 That's the reason these suicide bombers don't mind dying. Because paradise is going to be so wonderful to have 70 maidens to take care of them up there. Now, the Muslims in America know that they can't do that because the American law won't let them. So when they come here, they rearrange their doctrine. 
They don't go back to the Quran and do what the Quran says to do. They re rearrange their doctrine. You see, you're being awful hard on people. Let him that is unjust be unjust still. There's some that reach a point where they cannot change. Don't allow yourself to be so entrenched in anything that you can't change. I am thankful for the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the power of God unto change, unto salvation, unto deliverance. Well, there's something else here, and my time is up, but let me give it to you quickly. Look in verse 3. Behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me to give every man according to his work as his work shall be. There's going to be a reward one day. A reward for those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. There are many rewards and crowns spoken of, and I don't have time to deal them with them tonight. But in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27, there's a crown for running the Christian race acceptably. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20, there's the crown of rejoicing. In Daniel 12, 3, there's the crown for the soul winner. In James 1, 12, there's the crown for enduring temptation. In Revelation 2.10, there's the crown of life for being faithful. Be thou faithful unto death. And Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me. There will be wonderful rewards at the end of the way. Wonderful, wonderful. And at the end of the way, I'm sure that some who thought they would receive no rewards at all will get the greatest rewards. The greatest rewards will not necessarily come to people whose names are in the bright lights, but people whose heart has been fixed on God through prayer and through godly living. We read a terrible warning in 1 Corinthians 3 about building your life out of gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble. I want to ask you how long, how long is it going to endure in heaven because you won a football game? Or because you won a volleyball game? Or you, you ran track and so on? There's nothing wrong with the bodily exercise profit a little, but we need to get our, get our priorities in right shape. In eternity, those things won't matter a bit. They'll be all gone. I'm coming quickly. Behold, my reward is with me. Then in verse 13, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. That's Jesus talking. He says, I'm the A and Z of it all. I'm the beginning and the end of it all. Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I'm the one that you're going to have to deal with here and hereafter. What are you going to do with that? There may be somebody here tonight who has never received Jesus as your Savior. You need him. Would you open your heart to him now? And as Christians, could we say, Lord, I want my life to be what God wants it to be before it's too late for it to be changed. This is the day, this is the hour when you can have a change of life. Isn't it wonderful to see a child come to Jesus and then go through those turmoil teenage years and keep on loving God, keep on putting Christ first, then go into young adulthood and determine they're going to find some mate that loves God 
before they join their life with somebody that doesn't love God and then go the rest of their life through life serving the Lord. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the Word of God and all of its power and all of its faithfulness. Thank you that Jesus is the answer to every one of our needs. And we pray that tonight someone would turn from darkness to light would be what God wants us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.